Welcome to the Let's Get Intimate podcast with me, Sam. I'm a life coach on a mission to help you create the life of your dreams by owning your desires, stepping into your power, and helping you remember who you are. Through interviews, personal stories, and honest conversations, join me as I dive deep into all things relationships, sex, intimacy, dating, spirituality, self-worth, and more. Let's do it. And so I sit down and at this particular meeting, uh, the facilitator is, is asking people to kind of share about their life, life stories, like their life testimony regarding uh, addiction. And so um, there's a man sitting right next to me. He's about 60 years old and Australian. And he says, can I share first? And, and she goes, yeah, you can go first. And he goes, he turns to me and he says, Sam, I, I really want to share this for you. Like, I really want you to get what this is about. And he just starts, you know, sharing his life and, uh, what his childhood was like around, you know, abuse in his, in his family abusive parents and alcoholic parents and growing up, you know, looking for love and looking for, for, for women and, and sex and kind of walking down like a treacherous, a treacherous path and, and, um, you know, getting married eventually and, and then, uh, just like cheating and, and lying and, um, you know, keeping secrets from his spouse and eventually, uh, ending his marriage, losing his wife and, and then losing custody of his children. And like, I can't see my kids anymore and, and what that's been like for him. And, and yeah. And, and then he continues to share about his, his journey of healing and how he found slaw and sex and love addicts, anonymous slaw um, and what it's been like to grow and to, to develop a relationship with a higher power and, and, uh, you know, find freedom and love for himself, even though he, you know, is disconnected from his family. And I had never seen anyone share like that before. Like, no pretending, no bullshit, no mask on, like just completely straight up about his life and his addiction and what's not working and, and sharing it like for me so that I could like, I could really get like what is available here. And I felt so loved by it, like so like moved to tears by this man, like, uh, yeah, wanting me to not go through what he had gone through in any way, shape or form. And, and so, uh, yeah, the other people that were there just literally did the same thing. Hi, I'm Johnny. I'm a sex and love addict. And then just, 
just shared their story. And I was so uh, moved by the whole space and the vulnerability, the love, the, the intimacy and the, the truth telling in that space. And, you know, when it came to be my, my turn, I was like, you know, guys, I'm just so grateful to listen to you. And I don't even know if I'm allowed to be here or if it works for me to be here. But, you know, this has kind of been my journey growing up in my church and with my background and arranged marriage and realizing I was attracted to men and, you know, getting into porn from a young age and struggling with this and that. And, you know, this is a bit about me and everyone was so generous and so loving and so like you're you're safe to be here you're welcome here and um you know by the end of the meeting i was just like you know i i want to come back like i don't i don't know if i don't think i'm an addict but i i i i just want to be in this space and they were like, of course, like, come back. And, you know, sometimes it takes a few, a few meetings for, for people to, to see if this is right for them. And the facilitator shares with me, there's also like a, a, a self-assessment that you can take online and really look for yourself if uh, you fall under this category of like sex and love addiction. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm going to check that out. So I head home and I jump online and I find this quiz and it's not a quiz, but the 40 questions for self-diagnosis. And basically you just kind of, you know, look through 40 questions and say yes or no to each question. And you just really look for yourself. Like, um, do I have patterns or behavior that, uh, relate to addiction? So, um, out of 40 questions, I marked 10 questions down and I just wanted to to read some of those to you do you feel that you don't want anyone to know about your sexual or romantic activities do you feel like you need to hide these activities from others yes do you make promises to yourself or rules for yourself concerning your sexual or romantic behavior that you find you cannot follow yes have you had or do you have sex with someone you don't or didn't want to have sex with? Yes. Have you lost count of the number of sexual partners you've had? Yes. Does your sexual and or romantic behavior affect your reputation? Yeah. Do you have sex and or relationships to try and deal with or escape from life's problems? Yeah. Do you feel uncomfortable about your masturbation because of the frequency with which you masturbate, the fantasies you engage in, the places you do it in? Maybe, sometimes. <laughs> Have you ever wished you could stop or control your sexual and or romantic activities for a given period of time? Have you ever wished you could be less emotionally dependent? Yeah. Do you feel that your sexual and or romantic life affects your spiritual life in a negative way? Yes. So those were a few from the quiz. And 
as I looked at this quiz, I was like, oh my God, like, am I an addict? Like, is this me? And over the next few days, I really started to grapple with, like, am I addicted to sex and love? (laughs) And what was interesting for me was, you know, my, my life has not become unmanageable. You know, like all these other people sharing, like losing their marriages, losing their children, losing money, losing their jobs. Like my life doesn't look like that. Like I have an awesome life. And for me, when I imagine like the the archetype of like an addict, I imagine like a guy in an, a dark alleyway with like a a flickering overhead light and there's like needles and and like you know rashes and there's it's like dark and sketchy and scary and like I'm wearing a black hoodie like that was my view of addiction right and I was like I'm not that I am not that so how could I be an addict you know and I just I was just like, whoa, like, what is this? Like, what is here? And so I continued going to the meetings. You know, I was like (laughs) really confronted and like, you know, but also just really like, I don't know, called or moved. Like there's something here for me to get. There's something available for, for my life and for my future and for all the people that I'm going to, to work with. So as I continue to attend meetings, um, you know, I start to see myself and, and people sharing. And the more I listen, the more I, the more I see myself. And finally, I realize after three meetings, I'm like, you know, I, there's something here for me. I want to do this. And, uh, you know, the facilitator is like, great, like, awesome. This is how it works. And so, um, I begin my journey and this is about three or four weeks into my, into my summer. And so I put calling in the one on pause and I turn my attention to sex and love addicts anonymous. (laughs) And, um, the prophecy of Bali, the, the, does Bali bring up your shit? Does Bali bring up what, what people need to deal with? It like, it, it becomes my experience. So when you decide to participate in a 12 step program of any kind, basically you're agreeing to, um, put yourself in different structures that support your own healing and recovery. And so how that looks, how it works, the first thing to do is to find a sponsor. So a sponsor is someone who's kind of like a guide. And a sponsor is someone who agrees to support you as you move through the different spaces of the 12 steps. And they're kind of, you know, they're not a coach. They're not here to 
even really give you advice. They're here just to hold you as you walk your own path because they've already gone through it and they want to give back. They want to give away the healing and the recovery um, and transformation that they've received themselves. So that's the first part. The second part is uh, attending meetings. So just like the meeting that I attended and first like, you know, understood what slaw was, um, there are meetings all over the world happening at all times of the day where people are coming to check in and share and talk about recovery, talk about what they're learning, talk about what they're confronted by, and uh, just just tell the truth about themselves in community. And that's uh, you know a powerful structure to begin that healing process. Um, another another part of it is doing something called outreach. And outreach is um, a check-in that you do with someone else who's participating in the program over the phone. And so, for example, I'm in a, a WhatsApp group with about 400 men from all over the world. And a few times a day, I'm, uh, you know, usually in the morning and the, the evening, what I'll do is I'll say, hey, um, I'm available for outreach um, is anyone available? Feel free to call me directly. And within one minute, I'll get a call from, you know, a stranger <laughs> anywhere in the world from Egypt to Panama to England to New Zealand to, you know, anywhere. And they'll call me and say, hey, I'm Johnny. Um, let's do a check in. And then we'll share like whatever's going on for us. Um, you know, like I'm struggling today or I am, you know, feeling really connected to, to God today, or I am, um, you know, really working right now on, on learning how to love my spouse. And these check-ins are just a powerful, a way to, again, to be connected to community and to, to not be on your own. And so um, the premise of, of 12 steps is basically you are learning how <laughs> to surrender and learning how to, to no longer deal with addiction by yourself. And the assertion you know, of all 12-step programs is like human beings are unreliable for dealing with addiction on their own. No amount of will can get someone through addiction. It's just impossible. And so we assert that in order for you to overcome any kind of addiction, um, the only way to, to do that is by you know, one, connecting with something greater than yourself, a force that's bigger than yourself, a purpose, an energy, a, a God, a higher power, a, a source, developing a relationship with something that's outside of you. And two, connecting with others, connecting with tribe, with brotherhood, with, with, with people, and um, continuing to, to tell the truth. And, um, and then moving through the 12 steps. So an example, first step, we admitted we were powerless over sex and love addiction, that our lives had become unmanageable. 
second step, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Third step, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. And so, you know, they keep going. And basically, each step includes a series of questions and actions where you just get to look at your life and look at what's at the source of your behavior and your patterns and your ways of being that no longer, you know, work for you. So I start to, you know, jump into these, these, these things. Like, you know, I find a sponsor who's living in Thailand, this, you know, elder uh, American uh, guy. And um, I start doing outreach and, you know, making phone calls with, with guys from all over the world who are just fighting for, um, you know, their life, you know, calling people up and just crying with people and just hearing about what they're dealing with. And, you know, if I don't deal with, you know, my addiction, like I'm going to lose my, my girlfriend, I'm going to lose my family. I'm going to lose like everything that I've ever worked for. And, you know, I, I just want to love myself and I just want to, I want to be free of, of, of this stuff. And, you know, I just was so moved and I am moved over and over again by how courageous and willing you'd have to be to, to do something like this. (laughs) And I just, yeah, was just like so blown away by all the men, all the men who are fighting for, their women and fighting for freedom and fighting for like love, like real love and, and, um, relationship with themselves. And, um, you know, and then I just got to look at myself. And so I wanted to, to share what I've seen so far in, in this work, like really diving into the underworld of, of my life. So, I was born into a church and this church uh, believed in this concept of having one partner for life. And so that meant I was, I was told as a kid, like, it's really important for you to maintain your purity and it's important for you to not have, you know, sex or be intimate or be in romantic relationships before you, um, you know, get married because you want to save that that love for that person and save your body, your heart, your mind, your spirit for that one person. And so I grew up in that and I really loved it actually. I thought it <laughs> I, I had no problem with it. You know, it, it I felt like it made me different even you, you know in high school and watching kids just like date and have sex and get drunk at parties and, and, and have explosive arguments with like kids that they've known for like one minute in front of lockers and people throwing stuff. I was just like, what is all this drama about? Like, I don't want any of that. So for me, it was, it was easy to, to not, um, you know, be, be intimate with other people. And, uh, it was something that I felt like uh, was was true for me. This is what I wanted. I wanna I wanna prepare for one person in life. 
And so eventually I, um, you know, got older and older and was like trying to, to figure out my sexuality and was really struggling for years. And I came to this point where um, I just felt like if I hadn't, ex- I, if I didn't experience something, I was never going to know. Like if I was, if I was never intimate with a man or a woman, I was never going to know the truth about myself. Like I just had to experience something. So when I was 24, I uh, was traveling and I was, I was actually backpacking by myself for eight months after college. And I just, you know, decided to give myself permission to um, just explore and experiment. And I was like scared, but also really excited. And, um, ended up having my first kiss on a bench in Panama. It was crazy story for another time. Um, but it was, it was powerful for me to start being physical and, and intimate with people and, and like, uh, experimenting and experiencing, uh, something that I had never, never done before. And, um, so when I was 24, that was the first time I, I would had ever touched anyone. And eventually, um, you know, that one kiss turned into other intimate experiences and meeting other men and, and, um, trying different things and, um, you know, turned into hookups and, and having sex for the first time. And, um, and then, you know, over the, over the years, um, turned into dating and exploring dating relationships in San Francisco and, um, just like really allowing myself to, um, follow my desire and experience, um, gay relationship. So in my own life, my biggest dream has been to be a dad and to have a family and, um, to have just like such a juicy, sexy, like powerful marriage and you know in my own experience it's been it's been like there's been like a a view like it's hard to find that because most men most gay men just want sex and so even though I say that I want to be in a relationship and find someone to create a family with what I do is end up spending the majority of my time being with men being intimate with men spending energy with men who are unavailable for that who don't want to be married who don't want children who don't know what they want you know, their energy is like, oh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm open to anything. We'll see what happens. You know, there's like a casualness about it. And there's nothing nothing wrong there. But like I could see in my own life that my, my sincere and genuine commitment to exploring myself and learning about myself quickly became um, an addiction to to sex and being intimate with guys and what i mean by that is like 
just like I am unreliable for keeping promises to myself around sex. Like I'm not going to have sex anymore. I'm not going to use apps anymore. I'm deleting them off my phone. And then two weeks later, you know, I'm bored or I'm angry or I want to avoid dealing with something in my life. And so I download these apps and I go find someone to have sex with. And then after I have sex, I'm feeling like frustrated and upset at myself because I know that's not what I really want. And I'm not actually having sex to create a relationship with someone, but actually to avoid dealing with something in my life. And that's been, you know, the biggest gift for me participating in, in SLAW and the 12 steps has been looking at like, what, what in my life have I been unwilling to deal with? You know, what's at the source of my behavior? And I can see that as a kid growing up, because I, I withheld and hid so much of my, my, my truth, my sexuality from my community and from my parents, and I was so terrified of, of telling the truth, um, being honest, I was so withheld that for me, sex was the only place I felt like I could be fully seen. And even if the part, if my partner didn't even like know who I was or I felt like I connected with them, the deepest part of me, one of the core parts of me, my sexuality got to be fully seen. Being naked in a bed with another man and having that space be allowed, be having that space be okay. Like I'm a, I'm allowed to be here. I'm okay to be here. You know, that was the place that I got seen. And my and in, in my life I didn't feel seen because I wasn't sharing. And so a big part of me having sex, I used sex in order to feel seen, in order to feel like I mattered, in order to feel like I I'm valid, like my sexuality is valid. Why won't you understand? Why won't you hear me? Why won't you why won't you accept me? The only place that I, I felt like I, I could be feel those things was through being intimate with guys. And when I saw this, I was like, wow, like <laughs> my behavior, my addiction, my inability to keep promises to myself. Is it all about trying to be seen? And I've been unwilling to see myself and recognize myself. And I have blamed others for not seeing me when I am responsible <laughs> for seeing myself first before anyone else does. I also saw my triggers, like what triggers me into being sexual. And um, I just saw like how much of our culture is is like just sexualized like everything is sexualized like instagram sex naked bodies hot bodies muscular bodies bathing suit bodies 
you know, all every television show has sex in it. And not like any of this is wrong. Like it's wrong, but it's like everywhere is sex is everywhere. And um, I saw that like in my own everyday living, like at any moment, if I was watching like a show, like an HBO show or someone was like making out in a movie or someone was having sex in a movie, my response to seeing that would like immediately be turn on or um, I'd be horny or um, I'd want to go and like uh, just like, you know, masturbate or watch porn or you know, like any sort of imagery could trigger me instantly to to want to go and be sexual. And I just saw like how much of my life was, is like, was a response. Like my, <laughs> how the like majority of my time and energy is being given by my daily response and reaction to things that I have to seeing things that I have no control over or do have control over but like it's just everywhere you know like any sort of sexual imagery like all right let's go and 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 jerk off and I was like I cannot believe how much of my life is dominated by this and the thing is guys it is so quick it's so simple it's so quiet it's so quick it's not like I'm spending eight hours in my bed. It's like two minutes in my bed and then I just move on, you know? But like, again, like any sort of sensation, any sort of um, like sexual energy in my body shows up, I need to release it immediately. And I just saw like, it's everywhere. It's it's just everywhere. Um, I also saw you know, what specifically, you know, are my triggers? And in, in SLA, they have this acronym, and the acronym is HALT, H-A-L-T. And it stands for hunger, anger, loneliness, and tiredness. And, um, you know, whenever you feel triggered, um, basically... It's it's in connection with probably one of these four areas: hunger, anger, loneliness, or tiredness. And um, for me, I saw that my biggest trigger. I was so like shocked, so surprised to see this was tiredness. And sometimes I get into these um, these modes where I'm like so fried mentally. But I have so much time in my day left over. So there's this like desire to be productive and to work and to produce something. But I have no energy to do it. And so I'm left in this state of like, oh, the only thing is only thing to do is rest. But I don't want to nap. I don't want to rest. I don't want to sleep like I want to create something. And so I'm in this this like conflict of like I, I cannot be with my own tiredness. And so in order to, to avoid that exhaustion, like being with it, allowing it, feeling it, experiencing it, I would use sex to avoid it. It's like insane. It's so insane. Like <laughs> in order to not be present with my own exhaustion, I would go and, you know, try and find someone to hook up with and then be even more exhausted by the end of it and be completely fried right like the thing 
the things we'll do to avoid being with our own experience, our own emotions. Another big trigger for me was anger. Whenever I felt out of control, like I, I, you know, was experiencing failure or experiencing, um, you know, like upset at someone, I would use porn and masturbation or sex as a way to feel in control again. Like you can't stop me. I'm going to, I, I get to have control. I get to say what goes. It's like this, this way to, to feel like I'm winning when I feel like, when I feel like I'm losing, which is just, it's just not, it's not insane, but insane. <laughs> like I'm going to use sex as a way to, to, to win and feel like I'm, I'm in control and, um, you know, I, and I could just see that like what addiction really is about is avoidance. It's about avoiding being with ourselves, being with pain, being with disappointment, being with big emotional energy, being with, you know, sexual energy in our bodies. And uh, this is with everything, you know, with, with alcohol, with drugs, and so many other types of addiction. And what I also saw was, um, you know, like we are all addicts, all of us. And not like I'm, I'm shaming you or, or making you wrong, but I just got like, all of us are addicts. <laughs> like addicted to shopping, addicted to Amazon, addicted to swiping, addicted to exercise, addicted to being productive and working hard, addicted to, to work. I know a few people who I would say are addicted to suffering like they have gotten so comfortable with suffering that they use, you know, suffering in order to avoid being with, you know, what it would take to be responsible for creating a life that they actually love. I'd rather suffer and suffer and suffer and sacrifice and be in pain. And that world is so comfortable for me. And I'm willing to do, I'm willing to stay there no matter what, because I don't have to be responsible for discovering how to be happy. Like I just, you know, going through the steps and and starting to like declare and own, wow, like I'm a sex and love addict. I am powerless over addiction. I am unreliable for keeping promises to myself. Like starting to like dive deeper into the degree to which I avoid and I pretend. Yeah, and again, there's nothing wrong here. I think it's it's natural to to want to make ourselves wrong when we talk about addiction because it doesn't look good. It's not sexy, it's not cool, it's not attractive. And certainly for me when I when I started to confront that I might, you know, be an addict, I really uh <laughs> I really didn't want to own that because I had so much shame collapsed with with it. Like, it's addicts are wrong. Addicts are bad people. Addicts are irresponsible. Addicts are not good. Um, 
you know, addicts are small, like all the judgment and criticism and, and that's not me separation. That's not me. I shouldn't be like this. I should have my life handled. I'm a life coach. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm still in it. I'm still in it. I'm still working the 12 steps. I'm still speaking with my sponsor. I'm still doing outreach. And every day I get to practice telling the truth and practice being with myself fully and not turning to sex or turning to porn or turning to dating apps to avoid myself. And I think it's going to be a lifelong journey. And I don't know if I'll always identify as a sex and love addict. I don't know if it's healthy for me to. I don't know if it's how I want my my job description to be. But, um, you know, I really believe that um, this work is um, allowing me to become the man that can create the most beautiful family. And I believe that by saying no to casual intimacy and no to people who are unavailable and saying, I'm unwilling to continue to to participate in life that way, to behave that way, to be that way. What that does is that allows for my my frequency, my energy to change. And it allows me to start becoming a match for other men who are, are living that way. And I think that's what, what I came to Bali for, is to actually become available for the kind of love that I've always dreamed about. <laughs> and it did not look the way I expected Guys, literally, I was like, I'm going to go to Bali. I'm going to surf every day. One day, I'm going to be like a hot tamale in the water on my surfboard, killing it. And some handsome man is going to just like paddle right up to me and be like, yo, what's your name? (laughs) And I'm just going to like casually like fall in love with this sexy guy. And I'm going to, you know, just have this like, dream like romance in Bali and have this like Bali babe and you know brag about it on like this whole fantasy (laughs) and and life was like you know Sam I don't think you're actually ready for that yet you know and what I want to offer you is that uh, you're actually not available for that and this is what you need to do to become available for that. And so um, I really feel like, um, you know, Bali gave me this gift of like, you know, removing all the, all the energy, all the, all the resistance, all of the, the stuff that's in between me and, and love. And when I look back at myself, What's also just right there is just compassion. Like as a sensitive 
intuitive little little boy who just wanted to be accepted and be seen and be loved for who he is and was just so afraid of 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 upsetting people and losing his family and losing his community of course he didn't tell the truth of course he was afraid and in order to to meet those needs he did whatever he could and so you know this pattern of 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 using sex using men in order to feel loved and valued and approved of you know was 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 appropriate was was the only you know the only way that he could really do that when he didn't know how to do it for himself so there's just like this of course of course you went through this of course addiction happened of course it's so human and there's no shame about it and i just i just love you you know just speaking to myself like i just love you I got you. I have you. So if you made it this far, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your listening. And uh, thank you for receiving this story. And if you heard yourself in any of it, I want you to know that I see you and this story is for you and that I'm here for you. So feel free to reach out. I love you. Until next time.